our kids for those of us in here I'm sure a lot of us statistically are struggling with sexual morality we need to seek God we need to share and drag our sins into the light and we need to start battling for purity we need to because this is an area this is an area in our culture it's such a huge blind spot and the heat's been turned up little by little for so long that we don't know what the right way up is As Pastor Daniel has been teaching through Exodus about the laws God gave to the people, we've heard the specificity of God's directions. If left to our own devices, people err on the side of selfishness. God's ways are better. Today, we'll hear a serious word about purity and the demeaning attitudes about sex that are prevalent in our communities. We don't know what the right way up is, so God has given us an excellent way. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Properties and Principles. There are certain situations that happen, and ultimately, if somebody borrows something and it gets stolen, ultimately... They need to take an oath before the Lord. Now, I thought this was beautiful when I, when I read this because it reminded me of something that I just seen. We have a great school here called Cornerstone Christian School. And the superintendent is a guy I love a ton and, and I really respect him. And there was a situation that had gone on that as a pastor, I ended up getting looped into for some counsel. So there was a situation between two kids, you know, and they were trying to sort out exactly what went on. And I'll never forget it because I went in there and the superintendent of our school got down on both knees and said, listen, you guys. God knows exactly what happened. God knows what happened. And you both know what happened. And I believe that you guys are going to tell me exactly what God already knows went on. So I'm going to pray. And then you guys are going to talk. And then he bowed his head and we prayed. And then one of the kids said, I did it. And I thought to myself, now that's some righteous parenting right there. Because it takes a lot of darkness and hardness in our hearts to pray and take an oath in God's name and lie about it. Don't get me wrong, people can do it, but it was beautiful watching these two fourth graders not be able to do it. Because this one guy said, I did it. Because he knew that God knew. And he wasn't going to lie to us knowing that God knew. And it was interesting, right as he said, I did it, the other kid said, I totally forgive you. And I thought to myself, now this is, this is the way it's supposed to be out of the mouth of babes. And that's what they get into here. They're like, look, if we can't figure out what's going on, then you're going to take an oath before the Lord with the intention that the fear of the Lord will keep people from lying. And we know that the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. And one of the biggest issues I believe we have in our Western culture, it's a a lot of amazing things, but one of the biggest problems we have is we don't fear the Lord. Our culture does not fear God because God is long-suffering in his judgment. And so because we don't fear God, we act as if God doesn't exist. And guess what? God sees everything. He knows exactly what's going on. And that fear of the Lord keeps us from doing a lot of really dumb things. So this speaks all of these about different issues with property. 
and disputes about property. Now, look at what happens. Now we're moving into a principle section. These speaks of social responsibility and justice. Verse 16, if a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. And if her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. Now, this speaks about premarital sex and the bride price. So if there's a gal, she's a virgin, a man entices her to lie with her, seduces her, right? They are not married. They're not betrothed to be married. When that happens, the man who did this is responsible to pay the bride price. Now, we spoke about this last week. Paying the bride price in this culture, like, oh, that's degrading to women. They treat her as mere property. But that was not the way it was understood in ancient Israeli culture or the Near Eastern. In fact, the bride price was an honor. The fact that your family valued you so much that in order for you to become part of someone else's family, they needed to be well compensated. That's not a demeaning thing at all. And it's interesting that you never paid a groom price. I'm surprised you ladies don't laugh at that. I mean, I, I think you get a lot of miles out of that. You're like, you know, listen, man, my, you'd have to pay my dad for me, but your dad give you away. I mean, I, I, that's just... I don't know. Later, you guys will wake up in the middle of the night laughing, realizing that I am hysterical, but that's all right. But notice, in God's eyes, that union between a man and a woman, that in God's eyes, it's almost like being married. It's not being married because it's sin, but it's like being married. That's how highly God values it. Now, listen, I want to let you know, we live in a culture that has got sexuality so screwed up at this point it's like, we don't even have a clue. We don't know I have a clue about what a woman is. I mean, we value women who talk like dirty men. We think that's cool. Like, I remember when Madonna first became popular and she was doing all this stuff. And I am just thought to myself, yeah, what's beautiful about this? She's grabbing her crotch like a man? Like, seriously? Like, that's attractive? That was 20 years ago. You see the stuff that's going on now. So I'll be honest with you guys. Looking at Western culture to understand sexuality, femininity, or masculinity, that's a lost cause. We have this thing so upside down. We have an event coming June 8th. If you know people, but teenagers, middle schoolers, we have an event coming called the O2 Experience coming here. And it's all because you look at the statistics Almost 95% of guys by the age of 18 have already lost their virginity and almost three quarters of women by the time they're 18 have lost their virginity. One in four girls have a sexually transmitted disease. One in four. And our culture is pumping this, pumping it. It's all day, every day, through every media and brothers, sisters, it is scary. And I say this, I went through that. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't know about purity and all this stuff. Man, I remember when I was 12 years old and my father walked in and handed me a condom and said, listen, you just better not get anyone pregnant. 12 years old. And, and listen, my dad was doing the best he knew how. I was loved, but he didn't get what the Bible talks about, about morality, about what sexuality is really about, what the union of a man and woman is really about. It's not just about physicality 
although it is. And for the gals, it's not just about physicality and emotionality. It's about spirituality. It is the physical embodiment of the union between Jesus and his church, between a man and a woman. And that is a sacred thing. It is the oneness that God has done in our hearts as we get married, lived out in physical form. And God values this. But it's interesting. Satan always gives the cheap substitute, doesn't he? He's good at that. He takes something glorious and he demeans it. And he he gives it a different spin. It's not just fun. And you know what's amazing? If I had a nickel for every time a young lady gave away her virginity to a guy who said all the right things and wept about it after, I'd be loaded down with nickels. I would be. So we need to teach our kids, for those of us in here, I'm sure a lot of us statistically are struggling with sexual morality. We need to seek God. We need to share and drag our sins into the light. And we need to start battling for purity. We need to, because this is an area. This is an area in our culture. It's such a huge blind spot. And the heat's been turned up little by little for so long that we don't know what the right way up is. We don't know what the right way up is, but the Bible tells us. Bible tells us God values your sexuality. And God is not saying no to sexuality. He's got a more excellent way in your sexuality. And that's the thing that's mind blowing. God doesn't say no sex. He says, he doesn't say never sex. He says not yet. And then he says, when you are married before me and you are married to a godly person, now your sexuality means something completely different infinitely more glorious sexuality than we can ever dream than Playboy or Maxim or some of these magazines can sell. Infinitely at a higher level, a deeper level, not just physical and not just emotional, but deeply spiritual. For a Christian and in a Christian marriage, the union of a man and a woman is an act of worship. That should blow your mind. That should blow your mind. That should enlarge your heart. That's an act of worship. God ordained that to be glorious. And you see why it's so easy to undercut it, right? But most people don't think about that. We we don't tell young guys and young girls, listen, that's an act of worship to the almighty God. And God has parameters for that because it's a powerful medium. But we diminish it. We diminish it. Notice, sometimes a man will lay with a woman And the dad will say, no way. Good dad, no way. Verse 17, utterly refuses to give him to her. Now, this is also where the custom of men asking women's fathers for their hands in marriage comes from. That's a good thing. For you young single guys, go do that. That's like, that's what makes a man. When you go and you ask the bride-to-be's dad, if you can have her hand in marriage. I remember my father-in-law's a cool guy. I love him, man, but I was scared. And he's not a scary guy either. He's quite nice, actually. But I was freaked out. I was freaked out, man. Even just thinking about it makes me feel a little freaked out. He, he was good. He was fun. No, I ain't going to go into the story. We'll tell that story on another day. <laughs> Okay, verse 18, as we continue, we move to capital crimes now. Notice, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. He who sacrifices to any god except the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. So we have three capital cases. One, a sorceress. 
somebody who messes around with witchcraft, the occultic practices. God puts a no on those. And the reason God puts a no on those is because God realizes that there is a spiritual realm and there is some weightiness to that stuff, but all the weightiness is problematic. You find King Saul getting the witch of Endor and bringing back the, the spirit of Samuel. You find that in the Old Testament. And what that means is the Bible doesn't say that that stuff is hogwash. There's actually some weight to it. And, but really the reason we get involved in those things is because we really don't trust God. It's a, it's a way to act out our unbelief. That's what it is. And so God says, look, a sorceress, somebody who practices witchcraft is guilty of death. That's how serious God takes that. That's how serious. Now, don't get me wrong. We live in a culture where there's a palm reader on every corner in most cities. Our culture doesn't feel the same way. But for us as Christians, we don't go killing those people. We just don't mess around with it. So if you're here today, you like to mess around with that stuff, you're playing with fire. Because there's a spiritual realm, a realm that we have not seen. And God doesn't want us to play around there because you're playing with fire. So don't mess around. Second, verse 19, whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. Bestiality, that's what this is about. That's why I said we were going to have some mature content. There it is. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what it says. So I, I hope with all of my heart that none of that is going on with you all with people watching online in one of our venues, but if it is, you need to get away from that. That is a capital punishment. That is a perversion. It's a perversion. And get, I'll be honest, man, I've been told that there are videos of people doing this kind of stuff, and that is sick. It's sick. But guess what? We're all sick in some ways. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is what? Is death. And is anybody in here sinless? Nope. So as crazy and as sick as this sounds, we've all done something deserving of death. And that's why we believe in Jesus. And if you're in here today and you practice bestiality and you struggle in that area, there is grace for you too. Come to Jesus. Repent. Come to Jesus. Turn from the stuff you're involved in and be saved. God's grace is for you. Also, verse 20, he who sacrifices to any God except the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. So any form... Any form, any form of idol worship, worshiping another God in that culture was a capital crime. Why? Because God values truth. And when you worship a false God, you are living a false life. And when you live a false life, you are falling way short of God's glory. Now, as we move from verse 21 towards the end of the chapter... Now we're going to start dealing with really the basic principles that you should love your neighbor as yourself. That's where we're going to be at. You're going to see all these different laws, and really the fulfillment of this law is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. We get it out of Leviticus 19, 18. It's the second greatest commandment. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Look at what it says. Verse 21. You shall neither mistreat a stranger, or that word can be translated a foreigner or a sojourner, nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry 
at all to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will become hot, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will be widows, and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to them. You shall charge them no interest. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. It is the garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And if, and it will be that when he cries out to me, I will hear you, for I am gracious. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. Likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with the mother seven days. On the eighth day, you shall give it to me, and you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. Now, notice, God wants his society to be just, equitable, and compassionate. The groups who are not allowed to be oppressed, the foreigner, the widow, or the fatherless child. All three of them were vulnerable. Now, brothers and sisters, when we think about the immigration issues in America, we need to think about this. Because I believe that God's word speaks into these things. So we need to divorce our political leanings and all the politics that surrounds it, and we need to look at what God's word says. Because people use politics to polarize people. That's why they're there. I'm going to have you like this person. I'm going to have you hate this person. We need to think from the book outward. We have to be careful that there are not oppressive structures in place for people who do not, who are vulnerable, whether they be a foreigner in the land, a widow didn't have options because women didn't work and a fatherless child was a vulnerable person. Notice, it goes on to say that if you do this, when they cry out to me, that my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. That's how serious God is about this. If you don't believe that God is serious about this, read the prophets, because the prophets are talking about the basic common oppressions of the day as if the house is burning. Because it is, because God values the way we treat one another. Why? Because if we were vulnerable, we'd want people to take care of us. We wouldn't want people to use our vulnerability against us. That's why in verse 25, if you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like the money lenders. You shall charge him. You shall not charge him interest. You see that? We live in a day and age where if you have a bad credit score, what do they do? They rack up the interest on it, right? If you have a good credit score, they give you That's not God's way of doing business. That maybe is the capitalistic way, maybe the bank's way, but that's not God's way. Because God does not want us to take advantage of people who do not have the same opportunities. That's not a just culture. So when you think about, I mean, I realize this has a lot of political overtones. And I'm just telling you, I just know that this is God's righteous law. That's what I know. And so we need to say, God, we have these two camps in our culture that tell you this is the way we should do laws. But Lord, this is what your word says. And I believe we need to work for a just culture. I see it as a church. We have historic interest rates. Our church just refinanced our building debt. It's one of the big reasons we're trying to get out of building debt. The terms that they give a not-for-profit church are absolutely atrocious. Atrocious. Why? Because we're not-for-profit. And so what do they do? They give us an opportunity to lend, but it's a horrible. We get a 10-year loan with a 25-year amortization schedule and a balloon payment at the end. 
Those of you who know what I'm talking about are like, oh no, yeah, right. Oh no. And that's the best deals that we can get. Why? Because we're a not-for-profit. And I read this stuff and I'm like, Lord, you get mad at this stuff, Lord. We're your people. We're living. That's why I'm like, Lord, just get us out of building debt. Help us to get out of that as a church so that we don't have to deal with this stuff because it's wrong. It's wrong. Don't, we don't want the poor to be taken advantage of ever. Doesn't honor God at all. Notice verse 26. If you take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, that's their overcoat. Now, in that day, people didn't have wardrobes, walk-in closets. They had an undergarment and an overgarment. That overgarment was their it was their, their bedroll. It was their jacket. It was their protection from the elements. And so you can imagine, like, hey, listen, I need those two potatoes. I'll give you my, I'll give you my jacket, and I'm going to go get you money. You have to give it back to them at the end of the day. Why? It's their only protection. But you can imagine people being wrong with people about their garments. Notice what it says. Verse 27. For that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries out to me, I will hear, for I am what? Gracious. Yeah. That's the way we want to live. Let's live gracious lives. Gracious lives. Lives that are overflowing with the grace of God. Notice verse 28. Don't revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. Brothers and sisters, no matter what your political persuasion is, let's remember that. Every single election, don't curse the leaders of your people. You may not agree with them. Pray for them. That's what Romans chapter 13 says. Cursing them, maligning them, saying bad stuff about them. It's just sin with the mouth. And you may not agree with him. I'm not saying you have to like him. I'm not saying that you have to praise him. I'm just saying don't curse him. Pray for him. And all of them. In all the departments of government. Don't curse him. Pray for him. That's just what it says. So I'm exhorting you to it. Notice what it says. In verse 29. Do not delay to offer the first of your right produce. This is about loving God. Give him the first fruits. The first fruits of your sons. Our kids... We offer them to the Lord. They're the, they're the Lord's kids. We just get to raise them. We give them to the Lord. And when the Lord lets us hang out with them for a time, verse 30, likewise do with your oxen and your sheep. Notice verse 31. I'm going to close right here. Why does God tell us all this? And you shall be holy men to me. And in that culture, that means men and women. You should be holy people. The theme of the book of Leviticus is be holy as the Lord your God is holy. That word holy means other, distinct, different. It says in some place in the Bible that we should be God's peculiar people. And I don't think that means peculiar as in weird. I believe it means that we should be peculiar in that we are unique as as compared to other people. And that's God's design. He is setting us apart, making us sacred. He wants us to be different. And with that, that means meat torn by beasts in the fields, it's not for you. Now, I know you guys don't do that. If you find some roadkill, you don't pick it up, take it home, put it in the crock pot. I know you guys don't do that, and I'm grateful for it. But holy people don't eat nasty meat. So we'll close right there. How about that? You can tweet that. Holy people don't eat nasty meat. Jesus is real. 
God's way when it comes to sexuality is the best way because it's meant to be on a higher, deeper level than how our culture approaches sex. Today, Pastor Daniel underscored how the physical relationship between a man and woman is an act of worship. We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real Radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will challenge us not to follow the crowd. When God set out laws to address issues of justice in the community, he gave clear direction about how to assess a situation. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Sinai. Until then, may God bless.